You're listening to episode 228 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I am your host, Kyle Daigle. So folks, it's uh, been a while. (laughs) I haven't been on uh, recently, and I know that you all have been asking me for more episodes on uh, Twitter, and I want to apologize first and foremost for uh, being so absent on the podcast for a bit. I was busy a fair bit at work getting to um, our big event, and then at the end of June, I welcomed my second child, Maxwell, uh, to the world with my wife, Uh, and uh, that's been keeping me a little bit busy, but during that time, I have been working on figuring out a better way to get the podcast going and making sure that you all have more content to listen to. And I uh, introduced Brian to you and Joel to you, uh, who are both co-hosts. And today, I'm going to play you an old uh, interview that I did with Brittany Martin, who will be becoming our third co-host of the Ruby and Rails podcast. And I had a great conversation with her. At this point, it's going to be a couple of months old. So I apologize in advance for that. Uh, it, it might be a little bit weird, but I really wanted to play it with you. Um, I had a great conversation with her, and I think you're going to really like this uh, initial, initial chat. Uh, from here on out, starting in August, the Ruby on Rails podcast will be back on a weekly basis, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I've been working on getting some more content with my new co-hosts who have really been helping out, and uh, so I'm excited to sort of get that to you and get the ball back and rolling. Uh, so thank you so much for your patience. Uh, I'm, I do apologize for such a delay in getting these episodes out, uh, but I think the wait will be worth it. We'll get back on track. Uh, I will get back to diaper duty and we will go from there. So thank you so much for listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Uh, please share it with a friend. Uh, let's get the community back going. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KDaigle if you'd like to give me some information or comments or let me know what you think uh, as we get going. And uh, welcome Britt to the co-host family. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Rollbar. One of the frustrating things we all deal with is errors. You have to rely on users to report them. You dig through log files to debug issues. But with Rollbar's error monitoring, you get the full stack trace, context, and user data to help you find and fix impactful errors super fast. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send error alerts to Slack or HipChat, or automatically create new issues in Jira, Pivotal Tracker, or Trello. Adding the Rollbar Ruby SDK is as easy as gem install Rollbar. Start tracking application errors in minutes. A few cool features, you can send request data for any rack framework, so things like parameters, session data. It supports multiple queuing frameworks like Rescue, Delay Job, and Sidekick. You can configure Rollbar's front-end JavaScript SDK without having to install it manually, and you can deep link into your GitHub repos, which is really cool, so your stack traces are linked into GitHub really awesome feature. We have a special offer for listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash Ruby, sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. So go give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com slash Ruby to sign up and you'll get the bootstrap plan for free. Thank you so much for Rollbar.
All right. So did you have the awesome warm weather uh, that I had over in Connecticut today? It was like oh 75 degrees here today. It was just delightful. I mean, all the college students were out, you know, shorts <laughs> out, sun's out, guns out. You know? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> my son goes to a daycare near the University of Connecticut. And so every single day I drive through UConn's campus uh, and it's like uh, it's like a farm. Basically, it's like an enormous campus, but it's all just like rolling hills and farm. And so recently they like built a uh, uh, they, th- they call it store center. It's basically just like a, um, a lifestyle mall, like on campus, essentially. And so they have this really beautiful square that like when the college kids aren't in school, it's awesome. Like we go and we eat. But when the college kids are in school, we just like stay away completely. So I'm driving by and it's like the first nice day of the year. We've been having like late snow up here. And I look over <laughs> and there's a bunch of like college kids uh, just break dancing. No. Yes. Oh, I'm so jealous. So yes. They I'm- had taped down their requisite uh, uh, cardboard boxes and wow. a whole gaggle of all shapes, sizes, colors, you name it, are over there doing their breakdance break dance deal. I, I had to call it out to my son. I was like, look, it's breakdancing. I was just waiting for someone to pull out the like old 90s or 80s uh, boom box, but... We didn't get that far. Uh, it was electric uh, boogaloo, you know. <laughs> it, it, it was it was amazing. It, it made my my day. I was like five o'clock driving by, and I'm like, what what are they what are they doing over there? Because everyone else is just sitting and picnicking and like whatever else. And then I see these like five kids who just appeared to be quite nerdy. Like they appeared to be like my people, and they were all break dancing, which is something I can't say that I do very. Uh, so well or at all, but I have to admit that I used to take private break dancing lessons. Oh man, yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> Something I need to get back into. You know, it was it was kind of like my little secret skill there for a minute. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely handy when you're at the wedding, but you don't want to be too <laughs> you don't want to be too much at a wedding. You want to be there, but you don't want to be everything at the wedding. Oh so my gosh, that's nice so good. <laughs> oh man, no, I can't I can't say I ever got into that, though I will say that it was quite popular like uh in like my later high school years, everyone was taking break dancing lessons and I just I don't think I have the coordination to pull something like that off like at all. <laughs> my newest one's been Bollywood dancing. That was really? Yeah, I take oh, Bollywood that sounds dancing amazing. lessons. It's so fun. Because like you really can get into it because that music and like the story behind it yeah. is just really romantic and cheesy and just, you know, you really got to shake it. How so, did you get into that? <laughs> my good friend teaches it oh, um, at a amazing. local gym and she used me as a test subject for a couple weeks. So, you know, you got to test things before you ship it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Oh, boy. Man, well, we're off to a good start. Britt, thanks for joining uh, joining me first time uh, on in the new format, Ooh. but not, not, the, not the first time on the podcast here. Um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for folks listening who don't know uh, who you are or what you're up to? For sure. Uh, my name is Brittany Martin. I'm a long-time, long-time listener, uh, first-time host. I'm honored, <laughs> I'm honored to be on the podcast. Um, I uh, grew up and currently live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not Pittsburgh, California. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, loud and proud. <laughs> um, I grew up here and I you know, worked my way through startups, became a product manager and figured, hey, I should uh, try San Francisco for a little bit. So I moved out to San Francisco a couple years ago and discovered that I really needed to learn how to code to be successful out there. So mm-hmm. I went through a boot camp at night while I was working in marketing. And oh, wow. so, yeah, it was awesome. I went through Block, um, 
And, you know, I, I, the whole goal was to become a product man, like a technical product manager when I got out of that. And I ended up liking coding so much that I became a developer. And so after two years in San Francisco, which I love San Francisco, but it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the food though, but, uh, moved back to Pittsburgh and now I actually work two jobs that I absolutely adore. Um, I'm the lead web developer for the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust, which is one of the biggest nonprofits uh, in Pittsburgh. I uh, am one of the two, one of the three people that run the website for all the ticketing for the nonprofits, oh, wow. uh, the ballet, the opera, the symphony. I mean, we get some really cool stuff, and uh, we we use a third party API for that ticketing. And I'm proud to say that we're the only Ruby on Rails application in the entire world that is connected to that third-party API. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, we go to a conference every year. Uh, this year it's in San Diego, and it's all .NET people. And my coworker <laughs> and I, we're both females, uh, they call us the Ruby Chicks. <laughs> oh, wow. We just travel around in a pack, and that's the Ruby Chicks. So <laughs> I really love my job because I get to go to a lot of really cool shows. I get to find out about a lot of really cool things, and... When I moved back to Pittsburgh, I really wanted to work at a job that would uh, help me be plugged in with Pittsburgh and working downtown and interacting with all those organizations. You really can't get any better than that. So does this mean you got uh, Pittsburgh uh, Hamilton tickets? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, as, as Kyle has alluded to, we did announce that we are getting Hamilton next year. And so we are, we are pulling the classic San Francisco move of telling our patrons that if they resubscribe to this oh season, yeah yeah <laughs> you in every theater in america we got the same thing Genius. in uh, connecticut the bushnells like hey you don't subscribe but now's your chance if you want to come see hamilton and my wife's like we should probably spend the like the two thousand dollars to subscribe and i'm like absolutely not happening i'm already getting the facebook messages though the little bit like Hey, yeah. hey, the people from uh, high school like oh, hey, yeah. we haven't talked in forever but hey I I, i'm selling pampered chef and can i get some hamilton tickets <laughs> i'll trade you some <laughs> wonderful uh i don't know containers or something exactly so um but next season i'm gonna put it out there because it's not a loss to subscribe to next season bodyguard the musical is the next season oh my goodness i don't even know what that's gonna be and i am pumped like i was gonna say have you seen that like i mean i've Not heard of it but oh my goodness that's gonna be great and then my second job as i alluded to that i went through block um as a student while i was out in san francisco i uh, currently mentor new rail students through block and i'm also a quote-unquote squad lead which means that I also mentor the mentors, very meta. I mentor the mentors that are mentoring these students uh, through Block. So Block is an entirely remote program. We have a ton of different programs and uh, I basically get to, get to interact with like really amazing students from across the country every night. I have like a vet tech in Florida. I have an oil salesman in Philadelphia. I have a makeup artist in LA, just totally random people that I get to talk to and teach them how to code. Uh, so I'm super, super, super interested in this because this has been one of the things that, like, um, as I've as I, as I've talked to boot camp folks or people who run boot camps and like having worked uh, essentially remote like my entire career, like I'm all for like you can learn remotely, mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like most people kind of like poo poo that like y y it's much easier or whatever to learn in person or, or whatever sort of you know cliche you want to say about that. I'm really interested in your experience with Block then, both as a um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? A student, student, I guess. Yeah, a yeah. student and uh, and as a mentor, because I mean, I I find that super compelling because that was that's always been one of the things that like even even the boot camps I really enjoy like working with and talking to that has always sort of bugged me is the level of commitment is like kind of like ridiculously high, and Absolutely. I feel like a blocker for like most people. Like I mean, I, I feel like if you have for like a family, for example, Mm -hmm. like I feel like you're automatically not, it's not possible or you have to be like relatively well off in the beginning to pay all that money, take all that time off of work and then hope that in the other end that you work out. So I feel like the remote, um, I don't want to call it part-time because I feel like that's not fair, but like more flexible schedule. Uh, I'm curious, like what was your experience with that as a student? And also now that you're kind of on the other side of the fence, like how do you see that working uh, when you're working with mentors and other students? Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, it is a really fascinating subject. I mean, the key here is that the students, there has to be two different, like I call it like the perfect, the perfect mix on a student. When you're a remote student, you have to be that much more ambitious. So you have to be that person who wakes up early in the morning. You have to be that person who's willing to stay up a little bit later in order Mm -hmm. to get your work done, or you Mm -hmm. sneak it in during lunch. You do whatever you can to get that work done. I completely agree with you. When I was out in San Francisco and considering a boot camp, granted, I had just finished my master's degree and I turned to my husband. I was like, I think I'm going to go back to school. And he's like, that's cool. You know, very understanding. But um, I did it where it was a part-time program. So I was able to work because my rent, frankly, in San Francisco was close to $2,500 a month. I couldn't quit, not be working and be spending a ton of money on a boot camp. And so it just made sense for me to be able to do a part-time program. And a lot of it too was getting out there and and engaging with the community in person when Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that boot camp, like that online boot camp work. And I've noticed that that's the most successful students are the ones that get out there while they're doing the curriculum as well. And even if it's just to go to a meetup and do your work with other people, those seem to be the students that are the most successful. But you're completely right. You know, I have a ton of students that they would never be able to learn how to code, or at least they wouldn't be able to have a guided approach towards learning to code if they didn't do something that was remote. Because I had a student who was in Vermont, and, you know, there is nothing near him. But luckily, he has a semi-strong Wi-Fi connection, and he's going through our software engineering program. And, I mean, when he gets out, he will be set and ready to go. The whole thing, though, and something that you probably you definitely have a lot of experience on is we typically advise our students that their first job shouldn't be remote then. Sure. Because then we get students who will come and say, I'm doing this remote program. I never have to leave the house ever again. You know, and then my first job is going to be remote. And what I typically tell them is you want to be geared for that second job. You know, you mm-hmm. want to get through your boot camp. You want to take that first job. You want to get some experience and then you can start being picky. Mm-hmm. So, um at, at the time that I took Block, they were the only online boot camp. And now there, there's definitely some other ones out there, but none that have that, like, mentor, like, relationship. I mean, I get really close with my students. I message them throughout the day. We talk to each other on Slack. They can message me on Block. Um, it's just really important to me that they not only have the ambition, but they do need to have some sort of ability towards the, the work already. If you're someone who hasn't, ever been on a computer or you know doesn't have any prior technical skills then you definitely want to take some time and like kind of leg up on those kinds of things by going to some in-person meetups Mm -hmm. but uh, I I personally feel that you can absolutely learn how to code 100% remote yeah and I mean I'll share too like from my side I I, I'm 
I don't really enjoy a lot of meetups. Like, not because, like, I think that they're, like, bad or the content isn't good or whatever. I'm just not horribly outgoing in those environments to be honest like uh, and so i i found that like working remote has sort of been uh an interesting um uh an interesting setup for me because when i do like go to meetups or i do get to speak at them or meet new people it's generally around um like a uh, like i'm there for a reason which i which i find somehow a lot more a lot more comfortable for me to go and be like hey i'm kyle i'd like to meet you and talk to you about xyz or like whatever you know whatever's going on but i mean for for me being like a remote person especially in like in connecticut there's not a huge tech scene here so like i would have to like drive up to boston to go to meetups and stuff like that which like raise the anxiety quotient like by a million for Definitely. me personally you know so like drive an hour and a half and then go know nobody and hope that like you quote unquote get something out of it you know while you're kind of like freaking out and not sure you're where you're supposed to be or whatever so i feel like i have a lot of empathy for people that like are in that early remote side of things where you know you're consistently sort of being told like you know go out put yourself out there get yourself into the community talk to people um and and it takes i don't know for, i feel like it takes a lot out of you to do that like effectively especially if you're used to you know conversing over slack or conversing over video chat or or, or whatever else and i think that's changed over time for me you know just uh, just sort of as my career has grown and changed but definitely at first i mean i i would say i spent most of my time interacting with people on um like chat you know, like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't think Slack was cool back then, but, or even exist, or even existing, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, hip chat or campfire or like IRC or yes. Twitter or whatever, or whatever it was, you know, I mean, I, I definitely found like a, a bunch of people that would answer me, you know, like would like chat with me and talk oh, to yeah. me, uh, and whether they were he, like big names or, or tiny people who were also just sort of like in their little part of the world doing their thing. Uh, I just found it really like great to be able to reach out to those people. Uh, and I think it kind of helps you get used to, uh, remote in, uh, different environments because like remote done well is kind of easy, but remote done poorly is very difficult. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, I completely agree with that. And so like being able to kind of get used to like finding a little group of, uh, a, a group of people either on Twitter nowadays, it's pretty easier. There's a million mm -hmm. slacks, you know, for various and sundry groups. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I've found that using some of those in lieu of some meetups have been very helpful like for example like i hang out in the graphql slack a lot and i feel like i get to know people there in a way that would be difficult or not impossible to get to know like at an actual physical meetup one because i'm in connecticut and most of them are in san francisco yes. uh you know but two like when you go to a meetup especially if you give a talk like you kind of get mobbed, you know, and you can't really like converse or get to know someone, but you know, being able to join them on a Slack is pretty simple. So, uh, I, I think that that's been a really interesting sort of development, these little microcosms of communities and Slack or Twitter uh, that can help you, you know, stay connected when you're otherwise, you know, not in San Francisco, like anywhere, but San Francisco or like a super major metropolitan. Cause I know that like, you know, in some cities it's a little bit easier, but, uh, I, where, where I'm at, it's basically impossible to go to an actual tech meetup where you can kind of go and talk to people who are doing something close to what you're doing um, and not just sort of interested in what you're doing, but spend their day doing really enterprisey stuff, uh, you know, and they can't really relate to your startup where there are no rules or, yes. or whatever. And I completely agree, too, that a lot of developers, a lot of really wonderful developers that you'd want to hire, the where they're located is starting to become a secondary thing. I mean, 
in Pittsburgh alone, you know, we're we're starting, you know, Pittsburgh's historically very much a C-sharp, Java, .NET town. And, you know, we're starting to, I, I like to think that we're like 10 years behind of San Francisco, but we're, we're getting there. We're definitely <laughs> closing the gap. But, you know, they're starting to understand that they, they need to uh, bring in remote workers if they if they want to mm-hmm. bring in interesting technologies. Because we while we would love those, you know, very smart and wonderful people to move here, you know, sometimes that's just not doable with a family or an established yeah. situation. So that's what we want. Now, um, something that I mentioned to you, Kyle, is I did a nonprofit hackathon last week. Yeah. And that was really eye-opening because, I, you know, when I was in San Francisco, we would do these, like, weekend-long hackathons, no sleeping, everyone smells bad, you know? like, <laughs> And it's just not my speed anymore, you know? And so when I heard about this, first of all, I really love hackathons where they they give you the idea and they give you the support, like an actual client, because then I feel like I'm not just coding something that's just going to get thrown away. I'd like to solve real problems. And so with this hackathon, it was week long. You brought your team and these nonprofits pitched you ideas and you chose Ooh. the idea that really like resounded with you. And what was cool is there were several block students and even block mentors that I mentored that I haven't got to interact with a lot in person. And so we met up and formed a team and then we kind of did it remotely for the week. And I really, really liked that. I liked seeing each other like maybe once or twice. But otherwise, I get stuff done when I'm by myself. And if yep. I need to pair with someone, I just hop on a screen hero and help someone out. But otherwise, I don't like being in a room of 80 developers all plugging away at something. Like, I need that concentration. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I, I, I'm kind of in, I'm, I feel like I'm in both sides. Like, a hackathon, like, I, I'm really compelled by the whole, like, uh, uh, nonprofits pitching their idea and then you're like sort of just solving their problem like that is super super interesting to me so i actually feel like i would enjoy that hackathon because normally like hackathons where it's like just kind of get together and like build something for four days or three days or 48 hours or whatever is which stressed me out like to the max um but like solving someone's problem for some reason like fits in really well for Mm -hmm. me personally i mean i feel like i thrive both uh where I like to give myself like quiet attention. Like I don't really enjoy pairing over long periods of time. You know, I don't, (laughs) I don't really like working sort of like in a group. I like to be the person that like sits down and figures it out and then is happy to like share it or ask for help if I can't. But I like to like make sure I completely get it. Um, On the other side, I also really enjoy deadlines. Like I find them like to be a really healthy, like, um, a limiter for what you're trying to do uh, when you're looking at a problem and you have like this amazing solution or whatever but it has to be done in a day instead of done in a month like you know you realize that there might be something that can get you what you need but maybe isn't as you know i don't know holistic or whatever uh, as you would like in i i personally really really enjoy those trade-offs because i mm-hmm. find that to be where the really interesting problems in like software development are um you know with unlimited time money resources like we would always build perfect systems or whatever uh, but the reality is almost all of us are working towards a customer or for a customer whether that's your employer or the end user or whatever uh, and so like I find hackathons to be interesting because they 
force that, you know? Yes. Um, I'm just not sure that I would, like, I don't really enjoy the open-ended ones because I'd spend so much time worrying about <laughs> just, like, what the first thing should be, you know? But yes. if someone were like, hey, we want to, you know, help connect, uh, you know, groups of people so that way they can, you know, trade goods and services or whatever, uh, I'd be like, okay, done, you know, and then, like, start <laughs> it and, and be able to get through that. But I would definitely want to do much of the time, work in time, I think, on my own. You know, and that's uh, what we ended up doing. And what was cool too is that we ended up with two designers, which you know shouldn't have happened because it wasn't marketed <laughs> to designers at all. And I love having two designers, and we had two front end people and then three back end. And what's fun with a hackathon, and this is what I and I ended up being project manager. You know, the product manager in me will never die. Um, <laughs> is that you do one thing that's stable? So like back end, we we chose Rails. You know, Rails five. You know, stable. Mm-hmm. We knew what we were doing. But then like on the front end, my coworker, she really wanted to try Ember. And so that was like a risky thing that we did because we, <laughs> we couldn't guarantee that we were going to ship, you know, doing a new framework. We ended up shipping and we were happy with it. But should we have done like maybe Elixir and Phoenix on the back end, which is something I'm not terribly familiar with, mm-hmm. it would have been way riskier. Mm-hmm. And it certainly helps when the client, the nonprofit is a designer himself and just like handed us mockups. You know, that's not something you normally get in a hackathon. You know, you don't usually get beautiful assets and like a mission statement and all those things. So that worked out really nicely. Yeah, that's awesome. It was very cool. Now, here comes the hard part and something that I think not a lot of people maybe thought about with Steel City, but like the project continues. So it is definitely not like a throwaway toy. We had several teams compete on each project and then the client is currently deciding which which teams they want to keep interesting yes you're you're pitted against other people too and you know what could happen is that you form like a mega team you know after that at one point i will admit i thought that i was going to have 20 people on my team and as a project manager i'm kind of hyperventilating a little because you know at the trust it's a three-person team that manages the website so you know it's it's small and then, you know, with Block, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring people one-on-one. So I haven't done the whole managing a 20-person team thing in a, in a long time. So sure. I give a lot of respect to anybody who can do that. That's crazy. Yeah. I find it really interesting to be like, okay, now we get to pick which one we'd like to keep using. Right? <laughs> and, yeah, and then there's this whole, like, interesting grant process, too. So, you know you know, we can apply for a grant to continue the work on it, which is kind of neat because, you know, if, if some of the block students haven't gotten jobs yet, like maybe this is an opportunity for them to get some paid work before they find their next job. So I personally feel that something like this should be something that a lot of boot camp students should do, especially if they're remote, you know, grind through that first day of being in person and just getting to meet people. And then everybody retreat and figure things out by yourself. And, you know, really gets get some awesome portfolio work in yeah and it's so much more practical you know i oh my like God. I, such a I good like, story yeah if totally and i i mean like i'm not sure if i've talked about this in the podcast or not but like originally had gone to college for uh lighting design for like theater oh yeah and, you have and uh like the 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 reason i bring it up is like i feel like it's such a unique play, way to learn things like especially i went to like a conservatory program where like all the professors were actively doing their jobs like in the real world and they would come to the school like for a day or two a week um which led to a really interesting process where you would learn something um like in a classroom and then then you would basically have no choice but to apply it because you were working on a show because there was like always a show going on that you would have to be working on and whether it was your show or one of your 
um, you know, friend shows or whatever, uh, it was always something going on in the back of your mind that you were basically learning something and having no choice but to apply it or being asked to do something you don't know how to do, figuring out how to do it and then learning the like quote unquote right way to do it. Um, in that cycle, because it happens so frequently, it felt really okay to be bad. You know, like it felt like totally fine to suck a lot or like make a big giant mistake and have like a professor tell you like, no, no, this is just like crap. Like it didn't feel so gross, like as it feels now, to be honest, like where someone tells you, hey, that thing you did is bad. Uh, you know, you feel like, oh, my gosh, I it's just horrible because our apps tend to continue on forever. You know, yes, like you, you, you and, and then you're like, oh, my God, that thing I wrote three years ago is so horrible, but we still have to use it every single day. But in, in theater or like in the entertainment industry, you know, the thing is done and it has to happen. Right. There's people waiting to go in and sit down and watch your crappy show or your amazing show. And when it's done, it's just done. It's gone forever. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I, I really sort of miss about the learning experience experience um in my professional career is because most of the time the things we build just last for so long uh, because they're so expensive to produce uh you know that they have to keep going and it's not so easy just to be like "Eh, i'm gonna get rid of this and in a lot of ways because it's a production system because there's an input and an output you it's not really a good idea to throw the thing out because you don't really entirely understand in the middle like uh, you know, this little knob that's there, like, oh, we could just get rid of that. And it turns out it was like crucial for the whole system to continue to work. So I, I think that for, you know, boot camp students, especially, or people earlier on in their careers that I think, you know, hackathons or even like, um, like Rails Rumble or Ruby Rumble or oh, any I of those, those sorts of things. Oh my gosh. I love those, uh, so much earlier on, uh, because it was so much fun, like to get together and you can get a couple people together local to you, uh, you know, crank out on an app and put it up to the world. And I don't think I've ever won anything. I'm sure I, we were always in like the media, middle of the pack, but uh, it, it, it was so much fun to do because when it was done, if you really enjoyed it, you had the opportunity to continue with it. If you didn't, but you learned something, then you could just let it die. Like you could just walk away and go, okay, we're done here. <laughs> as long as you ship something. You still yeah, like sure. each other and you learn something, I consider it a win. Like yeah. I think that's a great way to spend a weekend if you if you can afford the time. Yeah. Like, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and, and even if you can't do like a weekend, even if it's like, you know, just sort of over time with a friend or with an internet friend, you know, um, who you can just kind of work together on it when you do have the time and when you don't let that other person sort of carry it along. I know I've done a fair number of projects like that where um, someone sort of just takes it up and works on it and then when I have time I'll jump in and it's not so uh, structured just because you know different life situations make that really hard you know as I've gotten a family it's extremely difficult personally for me to want to be honest like want to sit down and continue to write all this extra code outside of my day job um and so you know i the the thought of saying hey you know um jamie i'm gonna take you know friday to sunday and i'm just gonna code and eat doritos for three days you know (laughs) wait what uh, flavor what flavor uh, the chili whatever they are sweet chili all right i'll give you that uh but like if we were to do that like it it feels so much more expensive and so it's much nicer like i really enjoy the sort of like new approach to things like glitch and stuff like that which can be like uh you know write a tiny little script put it out into the world let it do its little thing and go on with your life like slack bots i find a similar interest in Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, I can write a tiny little thing that does one thing really 
well and just sort of like go on uh, with my life. I like the Lego idea of things because like the the, the cost is a lot lower um, than wanting to like I'm going to write an app where you spend you know half your time getting everything set up and you're more worried about like what add-ons from Heroku you need <laughs> versus you know whether this thing is actually going to do anything useful. So um, it's just I, I agree completely that it's an interesting sort of change as like as time goes on but for folks that are just getting started uh you know or sort of wanting to switch technology stacks um you know that uh, like hackathons or digital type of hackathons i think are totally totally legit absolutely and i think too you know if you keep it small you know i can hand that to a student and be like i'm gonna need you to read all this code and i need you to understand it you know if you hand Mm -hmm. them like this Mm -hmm. huge monster legacy app and you're like please understand this and please tell me how to solve this problem. That's really hard for a student who just doesn't get the whole structure of an application. But if you give them, you know, a small Ruby gem or a Slack bot, that's completely reasonable that you can like either go together and walk through it line by line or, you know, just download it and just kind of make comments as you go along. That's completely Mm -hmm. feasible. And especially if it was built in a weekend, it's just not as intimidating to a new developer that, you know, a professional developer built this over a weekend. (laughs) So I I just think it's great. And it was a really good experience. You know, I am, I I might've slept 12 hours on Saturday night, but (laughs) um, now that I've recovered from it, it was definitely a good experience. And now we're just waiting to hear if, if we get picked to continue on the project. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm curious, was one thing you mentioned is that you were in San Francisco for a little bit and then you came back to Pittsburgh. I'm curious what that was like for you. Uh, so funny. So first of all, no one in San Francisco thinks I'm in Pittsburgh. Everyone thinks I'm in Philadelphia. I actually had people tell me, how's the city of brotherly love? And I was like, I'm sure it's great. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that if there was a map drawn, it would be very vague. It would be like New York. And then there's maybe Boston somewhere close to New York. DC, Florida, Florida, and then <laughs> Chicago plus Philly. And that's the extent of this part of the People United thought States. Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh were the same thing. Love <laughs> it. Just love unbelievable. It. But in all seriousness, um, it's it was funny how people in San Francisco see the world so different. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people in San Francisco are not from there. And in mm-hmm. some ways that's pretty awesome because they're very open to new people moving there. But it's also, you know, when I worked in a co-working space, there was a company there who was doing the Uber for perfume. So Interesting. Yeah, you would open an app on your phone and someone would come and spray you down with perfume. That was the app. And it just amazed me that, you know, that they thought someone in Montana or North Dakota or Delaware would want this app. And of course it flamed out, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was just a very different view. You know, what I loved about San Francisco is, you know, I'd be walking along the Caltrain and I would hear two people yelling at each other. And I'm like, oh, this is a fight. This is awesome. And they were yelling about QA. Like, it's just (laughs) so ridiculous. I loved how tech was just absolutely ingrained in everything. But, you know, just very, it's, it's definitely a bubble out. Out there it's a wonderful place to learn how to code and get your feet wet for sure there's so many opportunities out there it's just very expensive and mm-hmm. you know when i left pittsburgh no one thought i was coming back and when i came back everyone was very shocked but i'll tell you what you know since i learned how to code and came back there were just so many more opportunities open to me in pittsburgh and pittsburgh has just been it's been very good to me so you know um i love it here and i doubt i'll leave anytime soon and 
it's just, I love my jobs and I'm appreciative that I can work for Block remotely and that I have the cultural trust and I, I can work in person and, and be downtown. But, you know, it, it was a strange transition. It's almost like San Francisco's almost become a dream. We're going to go back and visit in July, but, uh, and then I'll fall right back into my old routines in San Francisco. But it, it is a very, very different place. And yeah. it's hard to explain to people who haven't spent an extended amount of time in San Francisco, but I really do love it. Yeah, I, I as someone who primarily just visits, though I visit relatively frequently at this point, uh, I the one thing I truly adore about San Francisco is the fact that you can go and eat anywhere. Yes. Like in a way that on the East Coast, or at least in like oh, no. New England, is not <laughs> possible. Because like in New England, like a nice restaurant like requires you to like look nice. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, in San Francisco, like, I mean, I don't look schlubby, but I look like any, I don't know, you know, you got your something sneakers, white you got dude. your hoodie. Right, exactly. <laughs> I got my hoodie on, I got my sneakers and my jeans, like, you know, and so, but like, you could still like roll up, like, a, like someone could be like, hey, there's this really amazing restaurant. And like, if I were to look that look at it here, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, do I have to get a jacket? Like, is this a tie sort of place? <laughs> and there you just like roll up and they're like, they, they usher you through because they just assume like, well, anyone could be a Zuckerberg or whatever, I guess. Absolutely. I don't know. And so like, it's the, the food alone is amazing. But the thing I, t- I tend to appreciate is just like, I, there's a couple of exceptions, but in almost every case, like they'll you know someone will be like oh i had i had the best meal best tasting menu of whatever or there's this really amazing burrito place that looks super 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 sketchy uh you know or like whatever that just like per you know square mile it feels like there's so many more uh options there than i'll than i'll ever have here um well, here's a good story. So when I moved to San Francisco and I was interviewing for my first job as a product marketing manager, during the first interview, they were asking me about like my food taste and whatnot. You know, in Pittsburgh, you know, <laughs> we, we put ketchup and ranch on everything. I mean, we're not ashamed of it. Okay, so but... I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that. Is that like a real thing? <laughs> that is a real thing. Okay, it's okay. Gross. But um, so I told them I'd never had oysters before. And they kind of just noted that. Like, they, I think they just like went through a list of food. And I was like, okay. Well, well thanks for coming in, Britt. <laughs> Was great meeting you. <laughs> oh no, it gets funnier. So then I come back for a second interview and they're like, we're going to take you out for a meal. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they take me out for oysters. And the reason they did that was to see if I was adventurous enough to try a new thing because oh, they boy. wanted someone who was like, oh, wow. I, you know, I got free oysters out of it. So I, I have a very similar, I'll, I'll tell this quickly and we can wrap up. This is a very, very similar story, <laughs> except like with a bit more uh, anxious, anxious. I'm on East the edge Coaster. of my seat. <laughs> so same general thing. I'm out. Um, I'm out with uh, with uh, um, some like business associates that I was like trying to impress, like a little bit trying to schmooze like uh, and they they had invited me out to dinner as sort of like a thank you. Like they were excited for what we were up to and they wanted to uh, take me out to dinner. So they bring me out to the steak place and they they order a bunch of oysters and I have never had an oyster in my life. The thought of oysters is just horrible, but they're like, hey, Kyle, here, like, have an oyster or two. And like, I can't bring myself to say the words like I've never had one or like no i'm good i'm just like okay i guess today's the day i have an oyster and i like eat an oyster and i am like 
oh my god what have i been missing out on my entire oh thank goodness i think you'd be like i'm allergic or something oh no no that no that would be a bad story this is this is like the basically the opposite case of Uh, what you're saying where i would be like i've never had an oyster and they'd be like do you want to go get some and i'd be like no i'm good but because in that one social setting i felt like obligated to give it a go you know uh i'm like yeah sure and i'm eating all kinds of things i've never eaten before and i mean some of it wasn't very good but like most of it was like pretty exciting uh and then after that i just i was like all right i feel uh i feel pretty good and nowadays like anywhere i go that has oysters i'm like trying to make up for lost time from just like having no and living on the east coast where it's just like fish and lobsters and oysters (laughs) and you name it uh nothing you know wow so I, yeah, you win. You were way more adventurous than me than to say like well, I got the jobs. And, they, and they brought you out on an interview, right? Exactly. Well, it's funny too because they pit me against someone else who was also who refused the oysters, and I want to believe to this <laughs> day. Oh man, that this the is an interviewing blog it. post right here. This is an interviewing blog post. <laughs> eat the oysters, everyone. If you're not allergic, eat the oysters. Yeah, that that is my career advice to you. Just just eat the oysters. Eat the oysters. Oh, wow. Awesome. All right, Britt. We have a lot more to talk about the next time you're on. I cool. want to talk more about Pittsburgh. But what are you up to the next couple of weeks since uh, it'll be a little bit before we talk uh, again? Anything interesting coming up yeah, for work or trips? So, absolutely. I'm headed to uh, New York City for Codeland Conf. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is Code Newbie's first conference. It's aimed towards new developers, but since I trained so many new developers and I'm, I'm always a new developer at heart, you know, I'm really excited about that conference. And then I am going to New Orleans for Collision Conf, okay. which is 13 conferences in one. So if you don't hear from me again, I just got <laughs> lost there. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm super pumped. I've never been to New Orleans and I booked a trip by myself to go to New Orleans. And this this conference came up and I got a I got a ticket to it. So I was like, you know what, this this will be cool. So I've got that going on. And, you know, just shipping code, pal. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Codelands uh, looks like April 21st and 22nd. They're yeah. still selling tickets. I, I saw a bunch of tweets about this because, like, the speaker list is amazing. Because it's, like, all over the place. Like, it's all different kinds of people. that uh, Some of like I, some I knew, some I've never uh, never heard from before. And I'm, I'm clicking through and reading bios. And, I mean, it's just, it definitely seems like if you are new to code, interested in coding, like, trying to, like, sort of get into what we're up to here, like, a great... Uh, seems like a great event that isn't going to be full of itself. Absolutely. Like, and, I if, hate... and listeners, if you're going to be there, I've got bright pink hair. I'm hard to miss. So please awesome. come over and say hi because I want to meet as many, many new developers as possible. So it, it's going to be an awesome time. And Saran just never disappoints. So it, it's going to be a good, a very good time, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Well, have fun on your two uh, trips, two conferences. Have some beignets in New Orleans. Uh, delicious little powder treats and yeah, yeah have a great time in San Francisco get some Phil's coffee for me alright <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have a good night alright thanks Britt